Blog Talk Radio. Welcome once again to the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Work Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forest Hill, California, and online at luckymojo.com. I'm your announcer, Reverend James of FolkConjure.com in North Carolina, and in just a moment, we'll be joined by our co-host, Catherine Ironwood of LuckyMojo.com in Forest Hill, California, and ConjureMan, ConjureManConsulting.com in Mission Viejo, California. This week, we'll be joined by our special guest, Doc Murphy of RootDocMurphy.com from the Twin Cities of Minnesota and Afghanistan, bringing us today's topic of signs, movement, and resolution in spell work. They will take your calls and offer you advice to address, ameliorate, and remediate your questions and problems about love, money, career, and spiritual protection using traditional African-American magic practices of hoodoo, conjure, and root work, as defined and prescribed by the greatest spiritual hoodooists of our time. You can learn a lot just by listening, but if you're selected from among those who have signed up at the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and called into the show, then you'll be on the air and receive a free consultation. We'll be going to the phones in just a moment, but first let's catch up with our co-hosts, Catherine Ironwood and Contra Man. Ms. Kat? Hi. Nice to hear your voice, Reverend James. Um, I think this is your first turn to be an announcer on our show. Yes. Well, you did great, and uh, you have a, a lovely you. voice, and um, and uh, thank you very much for He's pitching in for for Clifford Lowe. So, for those of you who wonder where Clifford Lowe, our current regular announcer, is, he is attending a large astrological conference that's held once a year. So he is out of town, doing his astrological thing. And um, we will have him on the air um, at some point as a guest um, to talk about uh, astrological stuff that he does because he's he's very good at it. And um, this show has a lot of astrologers associated with it as well as root work practitioners and tarot card readers. So thank you, James, for filling in for Clifford. Absolutely. Now, yeah. Now I'm going to catch you all up on what's been going on around here. Um, I have been hard at work catching up with my patrons from Patreon. To anyone listening to this who is a Patreon patron, um, it's been a bumpy ride because I've been writing this book on dolls, which I have finished, and now I am back to this is the second week I have released a new Patreon webpage. Last um, week was uh, Conjure Spells from the 1875 era that were for cursing to illness and death. This time I went into my cozy mode and I produced a Patreon page on Old Massachusetts Tea Rooms. Now, y'all are going to go, what is with the tea rooms? <clears throat> well, the tea rooms are actually an offshoot of tea leaf reading. So tea leaf reading used to be um, uh, given often for free, sometimes for 50 cents or a buck, in restaurants where tea was served. And these room, these uh, restaurants were called tea rooms. They still exist. 
um, but not to the level that they used to. So tea leaf reading was very, very popular. I created an entire website called themystictearoom.com. And at that site, I have logged and documented every um, cartomancy cup, which are specially marked teacups that you can read astrology or uh, playing cards or numbers or symbols inside of, as well as reading the tea leaves. And so from that, people began to ask, well, where would people go for a tea leaf reading? Would it only be in your home? Your grandmother did it. And I said, no, tea rooms. So first I started documenting tea rooms that offered tea leaf readings. And then I just went whole hog, and I am way, way over my head in vintage tea rooms. So, yes, I do have Gemini rising, although I am a Taurus. And with Gemini Rising, you just, you know, ooh, shiny, bright, pick it up. And so <laughs> to my a Patreon patrons who thought subscribing to my Patreon feed would be all about folk magic, no, some of it's about tea rooms. So there you go. So I've had a great week. And tea we rooms are, are very cool. <laughs> we are hard <laughs> at work on the festival, the Hoodoo Heritage Festival. We're having weekly meetings of all the presenters and we are just about keeping up with our schedule. We've got a couple of little loose ends. Always That always happens. And we have a um, um, couple of announcements of, you know, changes of people and whatever. You can follow it all at HoodooHeritageFestival.com or at the Lucky Mojo Forum in the Hoodoo Heritage Festival 2022 thread and we will tell you everything that's going on but 99% of everything is accounted for and progressing perfectly at this time <laughs> the rest we're working madly behind the scenes to fix so but you know by the time the Hoodoo Heritage Festival is delivered to your doorstep via Zoom on August 13th and 14th you will have a goodie box you will have new books that are debuting and released at the festival you will have flyers you will have um, metaphysical goodies and objects of all type and then you will watch people show you how to use them in 10 workshops by uh, some of the most amazing practitioners who are currently performing root work and conjure for clients and they're going to teach you everything so get your tickets hoodooheritagefestival.com that's it for me what's up in your world conjure man oh been quite busy doing my my usual good stuff um lots of interesting uh, client work uh, i said a few weeks back that we're really seeing an uptake uh, in the summer season even before summer has really fully taken root and that's been quite true um i've i've really taken now to taking uh, account and tracking the sort of pandemic trends um and really writing down so i'm i'm keeping almost like an archive for myself maybe some sometime in the future 10 years from now i'll publish it or something but just looking at how you know, what people's concerns are and what their anxieties are, the type of astrological readings they get, the type of card readings that they get, geomancy readings, etc. what questions they're asking can really tell you 
what's going on in the pandemic, where people are emotionally. And I talked about how uh, you and I both talked about this quite frequently, how we're really seeing people look to the pandemic has woken them up to the fact that they don't need to live the life that they have been living. That the way things are don't need to be that way, whether that's in their relationship or in their work. You see a lot of this, like, is this what I've, what I've been mean, what I've meant to do? Is this where I should be? Should I be looking at something else? Should I be applying for this other job? Should I leave my current job? Lots of people take, making kind of bold moves, despite the fact that there is a sense of sort of scarcity and precarity going on out there, whether it's resource shortages or kind of funkiness on the job market. People are taking bold moves, same thing in their love life, right? It's not exactly the ideal time to be dating in, in a pandemic and people kind of quarantine themselves. And yet you still see people go make kind of really big, bold moves. I'm going to move cross country for this person, or I'm going to leave my marriage, or I'm going to re, I'm going to recommit myself to my marriage. I didn't think it was good before, but now the pandemic has made me realize how amazing it was. And so I've been seeing a lot of that. Um, but you're also starting to see, if, if I can be frank about this, a more and more anxiety, and I would say in particular the past two weeks for me, around health. People are once more realizing this pandemic is not over, no matter how hard America tries to pretend that it is. Uh, it's still raging on in certain parts of the country, and we have new variants. Uh, the governor of California just <laughs> caught it. He, he, he was just tested positive for it. Uh, and so people are, are asking once more, uh, I have this trip coming up, and I'm traveling cross-country. Am I going to be safe? So you can almost see, just tracking the number of questions you get, what's going on in the country and what's going on in the nation. So I've started to keep a record of it. Uh, in that light, I should say that I have opened up my books uh, for July. Uh, I, I always send out the newsletter. I only have two slots available, unfortunately, for July. So if you are interested in, is, is your life, love life going in the right direction? Is this the time to be making that career change? Is this the, chance, is this the year where you'll be successful and become a multimillionaire? Um, or is this the year where, you know, uh, you'll be able to, to avoid COVID again. You know, that, my books are available. I'm happy to do those readings. But I've, I've, I've started to keep track of these questions, and I think I'm going to revisit them in a few years and see if I can map out the trends. Maybe you and I and a couple others can get together and just kind of map it out. Like This is this period with these questions. What was going on oh, yeah. in that month? I, would, I think that would be a really fascinating either study or something that we can, we can talk about. But I would say, like, give it a few years so that we've got good, like, year-long data on this. And then we should get together and have, like, this conversation and compare notes. Absolutely. And, of course, I'm still doing readings at all my regular times. And, yes, people are asking about, should I just – throw over my job and become an entrepreneur. Should I sell on Etsy? Yeah. Yeah. Should I, should I give up working in HR and become a singer songwriter? I mean, it's really interesting questions. Yeah. It's all over. It's, it's much, much different than it was five years ago, three years ago. It has all been, um, due to COVID has completely reshuffled the deck, kind of like 52 card pickup actually. Right, right. I mean, yeah. you, you and so I have I, always done. We all, all readers do work, you know, uh, readings, and they all, all do love readings. But there's a there's a tone difference, right? 
Oh, yeah, very big. The way the question is framed is even different. Yeah, absolutely. Well, today we have as our guest Doc Murphy. So um, I'm going to say hi to Doc Murphy, and then I'm going to introduce our topic. But how is it going, Doc you welcome back, and how are things going in your world? And can we talk about, you know, that you're going to be presenting at the Hoodoo Heritage Festival, and so is Reverend James, and that you're now mm. a member of AIR? Mm-hmm. Wow, congratulations. Yep. Welcome to AIR. Thank you, thank you. I, the reason that I've kind of been over the past few weeks kind of intermittently uh, been attending the show and the chat is because I've been really busy, and it's been mm-hmm. good. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I did just become a member of AIR. I'm super, super excited. And I was uh, just saying off the air um, that Nagashiva and you folks are going to be getting a, a, a ping pretty soon because my, my uh, website is finished. We're still shooting for a, a mm-hmm. June 1st launch, but it's going to be time. I have a landing page and the whole thing, so I'm going to be able to start taking clients probably starting in June. Um, and I'll have um, my own place to, to do it that's different than the Root Doc Murphy uh, link. The Root Doc Murphy link is, is my blog where I do my writing, mm-hmm. but they're going to they're gonna be a connecting uh, to the reading uh, site that I have, so people who mm-hmm. want to uh, book me for services will be able to do it a different way. Um, so that's happening. I actually was out yesterday filming some footage for my presentation of the Hoodoo Heritage Festival. It was a beautiful day. It's finally nice in Minnesota. So <laughs> wow. we were out at a crossroads mm-hmm. doing doing some filming and uh because we're doing I'm part of a panel on the crossroads in various parts of uh the world so I'm busy doing that the the big one and in the light of mm. what you've been talking about people asking about their career changes is uh, you know I as a lot of you know I finally have a great new full-time job I'm working for a nonprofit that helps people living mm. below the poverty line get internet and and um computers I work, work in a fantastic yeah I work in a fantastic workplace with great people and, boy, they're really interested in astrology, and they're interested in tarot, and they're interested in – so a lot of them are asking questions. Oh, yeah. Like, well, I know a little bit of this and that, but, you know, they're, they're, you can certainly be yourself there, which is great. Um, That's and the other big one, yeah, so – and then they know that I'm going to have this um, side business doing readings, and they're very excited mm-hmm. about this and are supportive. Um, the other thing that kind of, like I said, the big transition that's happening, too, is that, like, I spent, like, six weeks hustling together a graduate-level class in anthropology for a seminary um, that wanted me to teach an online course, which I've been doing for 20 years, and two and a half weeks in, they just decided to cut the class and drop me because, you know, diplomatically, um, the school has a way of doing things, and I have a way of teaching, and they kind of didn't mesh, and so... I got dropped, and I'm like, you know what? This oh, was going to no. be the sign. Well, you know what? Here's the thing. This was going to be the sign as to whether or not I should continue teaching in the ivory tower or not. I was like, mm-hmm. if I still enjoy this, I'll continue to teach. And then this was the sign in light of today's topic. That was like, okay, mm-hmm. time to drop it and mm-hmm. time to move on and do other things. So I'm pretty excited. I turn 50 next month on my birthday, and it just feels like the earth mm-hmm. is rumbling underneath me right now. So a lot, a lot's going on, and um like I said, it's it's all it's all feeling really good. Festival season's coming up, fire circles coming. There's just a lot happening, and I'm just really excited. But I was real busy Wonderful. for a while. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, it's really interesting to uh, to see that in light of our topic, which is signs and omens. Mm-hmm. So let's let's um, get to the idea of signs and omens. Number one, number two, movement, and number three, resolution. So. The 
interest in this really kind of was sparked because I wrote about this back in the 90s. I mentioned, somebody asked me, how can you tell if the spell is working or not? And I mentioned a particular man who had a shop in the East Bay in California um, who I asked him that when I was a teenager. And he said to me, well, you know, if you do a spell, a spell or light a candle or whatever, say a prayer, you can watch and, and, and look for signs for about three days. If you get a sign, you know things are starting to happen. And um, and then he said, you know, but and I said, what if you don't see a sign? He goes, well, you know, you can keep on watching and looking. You know, you might look and see if there's any movement within uh, three weeks. And I asked him, well, what do you mean by movement? He goes, well, you know, someone who didn't like you, is, you wanted them to be friendly, and now they're starting to like you a little bit more, and they're being friendlier. That's movement. And um, Or, you know, you're um, looking for a job, and you're looking through the classified ads, and there's no jobs that you want to take. for you know. But all of a sudden, a bunch of jobs open up, and you can apply to all of these places, and some of them call you in for an interview. That's movement. Right? And they said, but you got to, but you know, you'll really know the spell has worked when you get completion. And so I said, well, what's completion? He goes, well, that's when you get hired for the job. That's when you go out on a date with a person who didn't used to like you, or go bowling with them, or whatever. That is when you get what you asked for. And I said, well, what happens if nothing happens after three months? And he goes, well, then that spell failed, and you got to try another one. So somehow, when I wrote this up. A bunch of people thought that I was describing what they called the 333 rule. And this has been printed so many times since then. It is not a rule. It was one conjure shop practitioner telling me how to look for signs, uh, look for movement, and accept and praise God for resolution or completion. So I... This is a topic that I feel like somehow what I said got twisted or turned in some weird way. So I'm kind of vigilant about this topic. So I want to um, just lead off by talking about signs first, where then we're going to go to movement, and then we're going to go to completion. So when I asked him about signs, he said, well, you know, let's say you're doing some work on someone and his name is Bob, and you turn on the TV, and the first word out of the TV is that as the tubes warm up, because remember, these were the old TVs that had to warm up for a second, and all of a sudden, the face comes up and someone says, Bob. And you go, whoa, you know, that was funny, because I was just thinking about Bob. That's a sign. Or if a van goes by and it says, you know, Bob's Furniture, well, that's a sign. Now, those signs mean that your spell is being attended to by spirit. It doesn't mean your spell is guaranteed of success. But these are signs that you should pour more energy into that spell, pour more um, mental thought into it, um, walk with some confidence that it's going in the direction you want. And I'm going to give you, from my experience, two signs. I'm going to turn this over to Doc Murphy. The first sign, and many of you have heard me mention this, but I'm going to mention it again, that had a huge impact on my life, life-changing sign. I knew a man online named Tiagi Nagashiva, and he was a participant in a, a Usenet news group called Alt Magic, and you know he corresponded with me, and I corresponded with him, and he said he wanted to archive some of my posts because at that time there was no stable archive for Usenet posts. They were just disappearing and dropping off of servers all over the world. And I said, you know, sure, you can archive my stuff. 
And then he contacted me and said, do you mind if I fix your typos? And I said, no, go right ahead because I'm known for typos because I'm legally blind and I can't see the keyboard. <clears throat> and that was kind of interesting. And then after a while, he said, do you mind if I come up and visit you? And I went, uh-oh, alarm bells, red flags. This guy now wants to come visit me. And so I did a little bit of Internet sleuthing, which was much more difficult back then than now. And I found out that he lived on a street called Ironwood Drive in San Jose. That was a sign. My name is Ironwood. He lived on Ironwood Drive. And I thought, I will say yes. The other sign had been I had recently done a love spell asking for my future husband, and I had prayed to the Hindu god Shiva. And this guy's name was Tyagi Nagashiva. And I went, okay, uh, two signs now. Let's see what happens. And, of course, he showed up and, and was basically a bearded hippie. And I went, oh, well, that's good. Now now we've got some movement. <laughs> right? And the movement immediately took us to let's go to bed and then, you know, soon marriage. So I did get my 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 sign, my movements, and my completion. That's that's one story. Don't ignore a sign like that. Had he not lived on Ironwood Drive, I might have said, let's just keep corresponding. But you have to positively follow up on signs. And the other sign I want to talk about just happened recently. For those of you who are following the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial, which I've been following, not because I'm a celebrity fan, but because of my previous uh, work in the popular culture field in comics and magazine and, and movies and so forth. And there's some you know connections, and I know some various people. So I've been following the Amber Heard trial. Also, my grandfather was a lawyer. That helps, too. Law is very fascinating to me. So the sign that I saw, well, there were a couple of signs. One of them was, at one point, Camille Vasquez, the lawyer for, one of the lawyers for Johnny Depp, stepped up to the podium and this bizarre beam of light came across her and lit her up like she was an angel. It was remarkable. People have put clips of it online going, Camille Vasquez is an angel. You know, spirit talks to Camille Vasquez. It's pretty obvious. Whoa, she was blessed by God, this beam of light. That was number one. But then number two, during the closing arguments, um, these beep, beep, beep sounds started going off in the courtroom, all over the courtroom. And the judge said, oh, it seems we have an amber alert. And I just went, holy fuck. (laughs) Now, as it turned out, it was a storm warning. Hey, great. But the judge said, it seems we have an amber alert. And she asked the people in the gallery to turn off their phones. And they did. It all stopped. And then the beeping started at Amber Heard's table and her lawyer's table because they didn't turn their alarms off. So they're going beep, beep, beep. (laughs) Amber alert, Amber alert. It was a sign. Many, many people have posted clips of it um, and talked about it and literally called it a sign from God. The the theory is is these are signs from God that God favors Johnny Depp and warns us against Amber Heard. And I have to say, as a diviner, as a high priestess type character in my own right, yeah, yeah, 
I interpret those as divine signs. And I'm not kidding. I'm not making light of this, oh, gee, it's just some celebrity trial. No, that is what is meant by a sign. Okay? So just had to start with those. I'm now going to turn it over to Doc Murphy. We're going to talk about science, then we're going to talk about um, movement and resolution. So take it away, Doc Murphy, and thank you for indulging me. Oh, absolutely. Uh, just to let folks know, I have not been paying attention to it, and I don't care about either of those two people. So just, I was just a, a grateful audience listening to a very interesting <laughs> story about signs. Um, mm-hmm. You know, signs and uh, reading omens are something that, like I said, in the, in the Paganistan, the pagan community that I'm part of, is uh, really pretty common. And myself being pagan, I look for signs and for omens actually in the natural world. I know there's a tradition of it to look to maybe I, also the songs and, and people's speech and, and other places where you can see it visually. But I have found that the ones that really kind of, you know, you know, shake my bones a little bit or if I see them occurring in the natural world. Um, I, I tend to look at how animals move and how um, birds land or take flight or interact. If they approach me, if they don't, if they make noise, if they don't, what, what their activity actually is. And if you're mulling a question or mulling some spell work that you're doing and um, a, a bird or an animal or, or a, you know, a leaf drops in your lap, that's usually, that's usually a sign from the spirits um, that you're progressing or there's something that you need to consider. Um, I've, I have found personally that um, signs and messages of, of this sort are really prevalent when October and November come around. This is when the veil is quite thin and, and any kind of conversation between us and the spirit world is, is pretty common. One of the most remarkable signs I, I've, I've seen and I'm, and I'm recalling it because I'm looking out my window right now at the apartment building that's across the carport um, where I saw, where I actually saw this sign, and it was about Halloweenish time. It was about Samhain time, and there was this murder of crows that had been swirling around. Um, and of course, it's like, well, okay, murder of crows swirling around. Okay, there's a whole lot of black birds. There's a lot going on, and they started to land on the roof of the apartment building that's across from me. But they didn't just kind of land higgledy piggledy. They all like lined up one right next to each other along the roof like they were the rock cats at Radio City Music Hall. They just made a line <laughs> all the way. And I'm looking at them going, uh, okay, the, hi, all of you. You're probably not really birds. You're probably a whole lot of people coming to visit people and you're stopping here. And it was funny because I'm looking out the window and I'm looking at this and I'm like, okay. And the neighbor boy walks out the back of the house, walks across the carport to take out the garbage. And he looks up at the next building and he sees all these crows lined up. And I just heard him go, ah, crows. (laughs) I just started to laugh because, well, yeah, to somebody who's kind of not not up on, you know, the kind of communication (laughs) that happens with science, this probably was really freaky. It was really terrifying. Mm -hmm. But it's when, I have found that it's when you see um, a break in the pattern. Um, You know, there's there's things you can predict about how, how, uh, uh, like, the natural world um, operates, how how, uh, animals act, how they behave, how, what you can expect. But when something kind of breaks Mm -hmm. from, the, the uh, expected, that's kind of when I pay attention and go, well, what, what could that mean? You know, I'm, just yesterday, I was with my very, very good spiritual friend at her art studio, and we were kind of puttering around the back, and I, and I almost stepped on what I thought was a dead bird, and I was like, oh, geez, you got a dead bird back here. And she came and she looked at it, and she said, it's not dead, it's just not moving, and so we're kind of blowing on it, and we're kind of stopping to try to get it to move, and she's kind of touching it with a leaf, and it kind of twitched a little bit, and we're like, 
okay, not dead, but it's just sitting here. So then, of course, we had to figure out what kind of bird this was. We took a picture, and we saw that it was a – and it was, again, it was, it was just kind of like hunkered down right behind the building, you know, of, 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 mm. her, of her studio. Mm-hmm. Um vaguely rural area and we looked up the bird and it was either a snipe or a woodcock it was one of those water birds with a really long uh, beak and so that game the two of us rolling up our sleeves and kind of going well okay what does this mean and what does this mean that a, a shorebird is is here was she nesting was, was were they injured should we call animal you know so we did a little bit of reading about what it meant and then we went back after about an hour to go look the bird was gone so that was a sign that the bird was okay probably just resting or injured or something and went about their way but um we definitely took that as a sign that you know shorebirds water birds for example are ones that kind of step between two worlds um there is something about shorebirds wading out into um, the water is like when you have to roll up your sleeves and wade into new territory. So a lot of times um, the signs that, that uh, the natural world gives you, birds, animals, trees, um, these sorts of things, the weather, um, you often have to use the language of metaphor and allegory in order to get what it is that they're trying to say to you. But that's where I usually find when I'm looking for signs. Um, I look skyward, I look earthward, and and it's remarkable how those messages can be communicated to you that way if, if you're – if you're attentive, you know, if you're attentive mm-hmm. to the natural world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, being attentive is really important. And I think um, signs and omens in particular are the most subjective of uh, divinatory practices like dreams. You have to sort of develop a language around it. But there needs to be a, a little bit of carefulness there, too, because subjectivity can lead to self-delusion. Mm-hmm. Right? And we see this quite mm-hmm. frequently where a person will do all sorts of love work and because of their own personal subjectivity, they're like, I saw all of these signs and they, they all indicated we were getting back together, but now I'm on eight months and this person hasn't called me back. And you go, okay, well, what were those signs? And then they list these things off and it's very clearly that they wanted to see the sign. So you mm-hmm. need to balance the attentiveness, the ability to recognize the sign because there's some people who are so disconnected that the sign will show up. It's your favorite song when you were a couple and it's got that person's name in it and it came on the radio show the second you started praying, right? Mm-hmm. They missed that. They go, oh, that's not, I didn't see any signs. You go, well, that was a sign. They completely mm-hmm. missed it. And other people who see signs and everything, I think uh, both of you brought, brought up really good examples. I think the Johnny Depp case, which I don't really follow, but a prime example of the disconnect between reality and, and stan culture and fan culture, the way that Johnny Depp fans have valorized and hate, you know, created a sort of hagiography about these various people is kind of weirdly disconnected. I mean, I, I look, there's a, again, I don't know all the details. This is a defamation case about abuse and people are making fan cams about it. Uh, look, look how funny this is. And look, it's just really bizarrely disconnected on YouTube and on TikTok and whatnot. And that's because people want to see what they want to see. In the case of the birds, similar case, you were able to see because you had a connection, right? So there's mm-hmm. an element in which attentiveness played a role there, so you were able to recognize the sign, whereas the guy who was throwing the trash, who disconnected, didn't see the sign. He only went, holy shit, there's a lot of <laughs> So there's, there's like a balancing act, and I think Kat and you and both of us, all three of us can really speak to this. There's a sort of balancing act that needs to be done where you want to be attentive enough, the high priestess, to recognize what is a sign, right? Mm -hmm. To see a sign for what it is, because signs don't always fall out of the sky. 
they can be quite organic. They can be quite mm-hmm. natural. But if you're in tune with the rhythm of the world, if you're in tune with the rhythm of the spirit, and the world around you is not just dead and empty machine, but it's suffused with spirit, then you're in communication with the world. That rhythm speaks to you and you're able to recognize those signs. But you also don't want to go to the point where everything becomes a sign, where you get lost in the subjectivity to such a degree that it becomes self-delusion. And that can happen as well. I'm a big believer in sort of being very empirical with our signs. And so what I tell people, um, I don't have the three-day, three-week, three-month rule, but I think that's a really good one, and I've learned it from Kat, and I've been teaching others that. But I, I, I was taught something roughly similar with less of a fixation on like the numbers thing. I was told watch for um, an omen from God within uh, a few weeks of your prayer. And if you didn't get it within six months, that was a sort of cutoff. It didn't matter if it was three months. If six months was our cutoff, then that's it. Your, your prayer hasn't been answered. So we were told weeks, that within weeks you will hear something, an, an answer from God or an answer from your prayer. And we were also told to actively seek out signs by praying for a sign. Lord, I've prayed for this thing. Show me if my prayer has been heard. And we were generally told to do this before you went to sleep because your dream is where you can also get a sign. I dreamt about so-and-so. So you actively invoked that sign or you actively burnt a candle to see the sign or you invoked a prayer before bedtime. So there was this kind of engagement with spirit that happened in order to get the sign that you did. So I tell clients to do the same thing, to ask for a sign. Not just wait for it, but ask. Lord, if you've heard my prayer, if it's being answered, show me a sign. Come to me in my dream. Come to me at this moment. Speak to me. But then also to develop a a vocabulary around this. Start to record the omens. Write it down in a journal. What is what is you know, what did you see and then what ended up happening? And that you start to build a vocabulary. Roses mean this, I saw these type of birds, and then this happened. Start to build that language of omens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I'm gonna I'm gonna say something here about first of all, I don't think it takes being a stan, which is just a disrespectful word for a fan. I don't even think it takes being a fan uh, to look at something like a trial that's been going on for twenty four days in which one of the people is called Amber and the judge saying, We have an Amber alert, turn off your phones. That to me is um something that anyone could interpret. In other words, to be a diviner, you don't have to be um, committed to the situation. The reading of science is something, for instance, you know, gee, I had this dream, you know, Daniel in the Bible. What does it mean? But you go to people for the interpretation of signs if you can't interpret them yourself. As a diviner, I could interpret that sign. So that's mm-hmm. number one. I don't think it's something that only fan culture I mean, but fan right. culture is just to filled clarify, with hold on. people. Just I mean, clarify. they just go, Fan is not a you know, dismissive so, term. Fan so, is not a yeah, dismissive I, term. It's a term that's actively invoked by fans themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They so say, you say. But it, to, me, to me, it's, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm a fan to me, it's dismissive. It's dismissive of me. And it's an internet term. We disagree okay. here. We disagree all entirely. Right, all right. Okay. Um, it, so the, the point, though, is you don't have to be um, a dedicated to the outcome of of a situation to be able to interpret signs. That's what I'm saying. Number two, 
you said something really, really good, which is I'm interpreting as the ability to see or hear signs must be moderated by measurement against the average background noise. Now, Mm -hmm. the average background noise is what I would call the coincidences that we all pick up on. And I I sometimes call these white glove coincidences or meaningless coincidences, and they can sometimes go, you'll see a few of them, but they tend to peter out. They don't keep on happening, and um, they are limited to kind of like, oh, isn't that weird? They They don't move the needle on commitment to a an outcome, commitment to a cause, they don't seem to be divine signs. And mm, that's mm. different. That's a third category because you were talking about, you know, hearing voices and claiming to hear signs. That is true. There are people, and we get them as readers, who constantly, I, I saw, yeah, I'm seeing signs everywhere, I'm seeing signs everywhere. No, if you're seeing signs everywhere, you're suffering probably from confirmation bias you're looking for these things and they're popping out at you a, a, a sign stands out from the background noise mm-hmm. just as mm-hmm. just as an example um let's say i have a friend named alex and i'm walking down the street and i'm thinking about alex and a moving van drives by and it says alex is moving if you live in san francisco you've probably seen it alex is moving and and I go and and oh and the, the symbol for Alex is moving is a cat holding a kitten in its mouth a silhouette of a cat holding a kitten and my friend Alex who's a cartoonist was known for drawing cats and my name is Cat and he drew many many pictures of cats and sent them to me as gifts and even published them because hey my name is Cat and he even gave me original art from DC Comics that he had drawn that had cats on him he was a very nice man so I'm going oh it's a sign right. But I'm also going, yeah, but how many times have I seen Alex's moving vans and the cat and kitten? Hundreds of times when I wasn't thinking about him. But Mm -hmm. I was thinking about him at that moment. So I went home and called him. And we had a great talk. Mm. And and he was saying, yeah, I was thinking about you too. So to pick out a sign from the background noise has to be partially its, its direct applicability to the moment. And that's Mm. why... Uh, it's not just, hey, I think about Alex. This man's name was Alex Toth, by the way. I think about Alex Toth constantly. No, I don't think about Alex Toth constantly. You're just, you know, thinking about him walking down the street. Oh, there's the moving van. Oh, how funny. Mm-hmm. You know, better call him. Mm-hmm. So those those kinds of things that happen um, are really important to the people that they happen to. Now, that one was very personal. It didn't change my life in the way that knowing that Nagashiva lived on Ironwood Drive. That changed my life because I followed through on it. I was doing a spell to get married. And bing, 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 all the dominoes fall and I ended up married. Right? So that's different. And the, um, the question of whether signs are from God or from the world of the ancestors or spirits, um, and... You know, these are important questions. Divining God's will or God's um, putting his or her thumb on the scales of justice, as in the Amber Alert, is interesting. Now, what if it turns out that um, Amber Heard wins? And everyone goes, well, what is that? Well, it doesn't really say God said it. she must win, but it said to us that that. We must beware of amber. It's an amber alert. So Mm -hmm. it doesn't always predict the outcome. It may simply predict additional information for you. 
Okay. I have, so, I have an example, too, of, of something that, like, you know, if, is it a sign or is it not a sign, where sometimes sometimes you're pretty sure it's not a sign and other people want to be excited for you. And, mm-hmm. and I'll mm. distinguish this. Uh, a little bit of setup. I live on a street where there's, there's a lot of uh, um, restaurants and retail, and one of the places that's, that's uh, one of the stores here on, on my street is a store called Irish on Grant. And it's a store that sells, like, Irish imports and wool sweaters and, and, and imported things from Ireland. It's a, it's a fun little place. And it's been here forever. Um, some of you know that I was doing a lot of root work in order to kind of keep movement going with an Irish fellow. Um, mm-hmm. A period where the movement was really something. And, and again, the signs being more like I'm standing at the COVID clinic and I'm, and I'm grumpy and I'm really bored. I try to think about him for a little bit and I go to lunch and he's texted. Oh, gee, that's really cool. I remember one time mm. it, it, when, the, when the movement had stopped and, and um, um, like I said, this is a complicated matter, so I won't get too deeply into it, but movement has, has stopped. Possibly a resolution has happened, but I just remember that I was feeling kind of glum about it and I was traveling on a bus down my street. I was meeting a friend in a restaurant and I said, yeah, I'm, I'm on the phone and I'm like, yeah, I'm almost there. I just passed Irish on Grand. I'm going to be at the restaurant in a little bit. And she went, oh, Irish on Grand. Oh, don't you see it's a sign? Look at this. The Irishman's going to call you. It's gonna... I said, that's not a sign. I pass by that stinking store every single day. Okay, well, you... that's not a sign. You know, right. whether or not it is right. a sign that, you know, that, um, you know, as I was thinking about him and then I was kind of, you know, goofing around online and I find this site that sells kind of historical nerdy things and I'm looking at the women's suffrage t-shirts and I'm thinking that's pretty cool and I'm cruising around the site and there's one that's the Civil War (laughs) and the t-shirt that comes up is the Irish Brigade. He's a Civil War reenactor and he is one of the enactors of the Irish Mm. Brigade in the Civil War group. And of course I was one of those like, oh man, but at that time the movement had stopped and I was like, is this a sign? Is this not? Yeah, so you could really... You can really crank yourself into a knot, and this is something. This is why it's always mm-hmm. really great to have other um, people who are gifted with um, being able to read omens and also with reading and divination with you. Because if you want to see something real bad, and you want, you could crank yourself into thinking you're seeing a sign. But then, if you have really sensible friends who can do a reading or who have the same sort of um, relationships and gifts to be able to say, okay. You might be snapping a little bit. You know, you might just be seeing mm-hmm. what you want to see here, or they may lay out the cards and go, no, I think you're dismissing this too quickly. I think this is something you need to pay attention to. Always remember, too, that, you know, if, if you might know it's a sign, there might be something to it, but always check in with somebody else who is a sign reader or who is a diviner that can say, yeah, I, I think in this case you might you might want to pay attention to this. So this seems more significant yes, than the ones that yeah, we yeah. yeah. Not I, the one that I says, have, oh, it's the store name and it's the guy. And it's like, no, that's not a sign. That's not a sign at all. I see that every day. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I, I have two comments on that one. Never forget the algorithm. And because you don't know, I mean, you'd be, I mean, it's, talk about signs if if i was a paranoid schizophrenic the internet would be driving me crazy because you know <laughs> i'll i'll you know i'll like something and then for the next you know 6 months YouTube is yeah. giving me ads about that topic, right? And every yeah, time oh, I go yeah. to Facebook, they oh, go, it's everywhere, it's everywhere, it's everywhere. No, that's called the algorithm. And yeah. so the algorithm looks like signs. So always Never forget the algorithm, okay? And and then the other thing is signs are really intended, as that man taught me, they're intended for the short term. Mm-hmm. They are you're not going to be living on signs for three years. Um it's it it it's not what 
the spell is for. The spell is not there to tickle you with a sign, you know, every day or two for the next three years. And I know people who live, I'm seeing signs, I'm seeing signs, I'm seeing signs. I'm getting any movement? What do you mean movement? They don't get any mm-hmm. movement, they're just seeing signs. So don't dig yourself into that hole. Now, I'd like to move on to movement. So mm-hmm. movement is getting a, the dire- things start to fall in the direction of where the spell is going. And I gave a couple of examples at the outset. You're looking for a job. No suitable jobs are on offer. And you do a spell. Please, please, Lord, I need a job. And all of a sudden, a bunch of suitable jobs are on offer. The sign might be that one of them has, the company has your middle name as the name of the company, or whatever it might be. Oh, that's interesting. Or the company is on the street that has the same last name that you have, or whatever it may be. There's going to be a sign. There might not be. But that's just the beginning. Then comes movement. Do they offer you an interview? Or let's say it's for a love situation. Does the person take you up on your flirtiness and say, hey, yeah, I like hanging out with you? That's movement. The goal Mm -hmm. would be marriage or living together or having a child or whatever your goal is out of love. Um, And But movement isn't all the way. Movement is not completion. So let's just talk about what you do during the time period of movement. So, again, the man who taught me this said, you can look for movement in three weeks, and that doesn't mean you're going to get it. He said, look for it, look for it, but don't look for it after three weeks. If you see no movement after three weeks, give up, right? But if you see movement but it still hasn't come true, you can keep on hanging with that spell till a little bit longer, three months. So movement when you start to see movement, and it might happen on the first day, you may you may go directly from sign to movement just immediately. When you start to see, like I'll just give an example. So, lady's on the phone. She's getting a reading from me, and I'm telling her uh, the cards say he really loves you. She, I hear beep beep beep. She goes, my other phone is ringing. Hold on a moment, and it's him on the phone. Well, that was movement. Mm-hmm. That's not a sign. Mm-hmm. That's movement, <laughs> and it happened right away. Right, but he's not. He's not in her house yet. They're not hugging and kissing. They haven't made up from the fight yet, but he's just kind of, just want to check in how you're doing. And I said to, you, I said to her, get off the phone with me and go talk to him. Because <laughs> right? yeah. that was her movement. Don't, don't lose your movement. So movement has to be acted upon in the natural, real world. And movement has to be supported with further spell work and prayer. And you can mm-hmm. then start to change the focus of your work toward the direction the movement is going. So what do you guys think about that? Yeah, bre- I happen to think movement that... Movement is breakthrough. Yeah, movement is breakthrough. It's it's a wall that has been opened up, and you've got to be able to step through it. So there's like key words that are associated with each one of these, these steps, right? With uh, omens and signs, it's focus, significance, and repetition. Those are the three components for a sign. You need to be focused on that thing. You need to be aware of it. It shouldn't just be random noise. It needs to be significant, meaning it stands out from the noise. And there's some element of repetition that happens. It happens more than once. And for movement, the keyword is breakthrough. You've been knocking on a door, and then the door opens. You haven't stepped through. You're not in the house, but the door opens. That is what, a, what movement is, meaning that some type of opening has been created. It's more than a sign. It's not ambiguous. It's not in the air. You know that it's happened. The movement is very clear. There's never a doubt 
when movement happened. You're trying to get back together with an ex, and you've been doing the work, and then the ex calls you. That's movement. They say, we want to get back together to get coffee. That's movement. This is also, I believe, in my opinion, the pivotal make or break. The door has been opened. You either step through and you will eventually be successful or you refuse to move and the door just remains open until it gets shut again. This is where people mm-hmm. mess up the most, in my opinion. Not in the omen side. You can get lost in the omens and the signs, and that's okay. It won't actually have that much of an impact on your overall success. If you spend you know, days going, oh, my God, I had a million signs today, that's not going to have too much of an impact on whether you'll succeed or not. You've kind of, you know, you've deluded yourself a little bit. That's okay. It's not that big a deal. But where you will absolutely ruin any chance of success is at the movement stage. You've done the work. The door's open. You must step through. You've asked God for an opening. You must step through the opening that has been made. If you don't, the door will close again. And you may, maybe, get a chance to open it one more time, but highly unlikely. And this happens all the time. A client has been looking for work. Jobs open up. They apply. They get call after call for an interview, and they don't pick up. Oh, I didn't recognize mm-hmm. that number. Oh, my God. Google that number. Call that number back. Oh, yes, that was the uh, place that I applied to. Why did you not mm-hmm. pick up the phone? Oh, man. Or they, do, <laughs> or they do love work, right? And you do reconciliation work. And the person called them. Well, they called me three times, but I, w- I wasn't in the mood to talk to them. Oh, my God. Why? <laughs> we've spent, we've spent mm-hmm. weeks on this particular case. So this is the big make or break where people will sabotage. And this is also where it clearly is indicative. They're not ready for the answer. They're not ready for the answer that the, for the question they've asked. God, I'm ready for love. No, you're not actually ready for love because the door opened and you didn't move forward. So movement is unambiguous. So it's a breakthrough. It's mm. an opening. And it is the make or break. You either step through or you don't. That's where you can truly fail in a work that you do. And I want to say one more thing. One more thing about movement. Don't stay with it forever. They go, well, I'm getting movement. He's becoming friendlier and friendlier. And then they call me back two weeks later. Now he's not so friendly. Well, your movement right, time yes. didn't. It, it subsided. And they go, well, yeah. now he's friendly again. No, this isn't movement. This is just seesawing, teeter-tottering. Yeah. It is not yeah. movement unless you can take that movement and move it toward completion. Yes. And not all unless movement you can leads step to through. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so, to me, this is about when you're going to really pour it on onto your spell work when you see movement. Okay? Yes. Um, yeah. 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 I've actually found magically, like, when the movement is happening and it's good, that's, that, that's, that's when you're like, oh, I love magic. This <laughs> Because when the movement is good and it's happening, it's literally like, you know, the spaghetti sauce is just simmering in the kitchen. You just lift the lid, you add a little something, and you just give it a stir, and you just let it do its thing, and it just, it just seems to just work, and it works, and it works. Yeah. Um, that's when it's always, as we kind of segue into resolution, that's why it's always interesting that when the resolution does end up being uh, what you'd hope, you can kind of look at that movement and go, yep, I stirred that pot just right. Okay, I, I did mm-hmm. what I was supposed to, everything aligned. Mm-hmm. But when something happens, like I've had happen recently, where it was like movement, movement, okay, this is working, this is working, and then bang, nothing. 
Um, and then you look on the calendar, because I actually do put little dots on the calendar at three days, three weeks, and three months, just for my own reference. Mm-hmm. You know, That's very cool. And, and uh, I looked at it, I saw that it was the three-month mark, and rather than kind of having this, like, you know, okay, this, this resolution where the positive outcome was literally vanished. And uh, mm-hmm. my whole thing was like, well, I guess I have to accept that as resolution, or do I? And that's something I'm kind of working through right now is, is does this mean that, uh, um, you know, when you come to the end of a, that period, does this mean that you, you know, restart the magic and try again? Do you take a break? Do you give up and decide it's meant for something else? And that's something that you kind of, again, have to consider, too, when you do hit that three-day, three-week Three month mark is you know so what are what are what steps are you to take after that and I know from my my uh, training and from hanging out with Western magically trained people is that a lot of them can really get into a, a spiral of oh it didn't work out right let me try it again oh it didn't work out right well let me wear one right, this time right. and see what happens well let me do this mm-hmm. this time and see what happens and maybe if they sign is right and then and they they kind of don't let it go but so they're constantly being told in in some of their yeah. contexts that. The reason your magic didn't work is because you did something wrong and you need to go back and retry it. Well, sometimes that's not right. what's happening. And that's something that's most valuable that. about this, this 3 3 3. And I'll yeah. say guidelines rather than rules is that it, there does come a point where you can say, listen, maybe it's not about anything you're doing. Maybe this just isn't what's meant to be. And there's some other right. contemplating and thinking that you need to do about it. And that's, that's what's been useful, I think, for a lot of us that perform magic to be able to have, you know, check ins to go. You know, when when do you walk away and when do you continue? So that's I just kind of well, want to think, add that. I too. think one way we can rephrase this is I don't see the end point, whether it's three months or whatever the deadline you put. Like, for example, some people set their deadline as their birthday if they're doing reconciliation work or love work, where they set a particular mm-hmm. significant date, or some people say three months, right? I don't see the three months as a failure. I call it the give God, give it to God moment. At that time, you hand it over to God. You go, that I've done, I've prayed, I've prayed as hard as I can, I've taken physical action, I now hand this to God. If this was meant to be, it'll be. If it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be, and you walk away. So it's not a, it's not a moment of failure, it's a moment of walking away. And you can walk away in success, whether you got that thing or you didn't get that thing. And I have found that sometimes, not always, but sometimes in that moment where you're like, I give this over to God and you step away, the thing you wanted will come to you just a little bit later. Because you mm-hmm. finally walk away, you finally disconnect. You go, I'm, I'm no longer going to put my energy into this. Something happens. And sometimes we find, so for example, I did a, 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 we did a reconciliation case I didn't do the actual work. I did magical coaching for this person where I coached them through and it was leading up to their anniversary. And they're like, if we don't get back together on our anniversary, you know, I'm going to move on. And so they did the work. They got movement. They got signs. It was all really good. But come the anniversary, they went back together. The person mm-hmm. had called them. They said, hey, I miss you, but they were not going to get back together. I'm not, I'm not interested in getting back together. So I told my client, we, you did all the work you could do. You can't do any further. Give this over mm-hmm. to God. Hand it over to God and now focus on yourself, focus on other things. So they started to do other sort of stuff like healing baths and whatnot and started to put their attention elsewhere. Well, literally a month after their anniversary, shows up at their doorstep, says, I was wrong. I made a mistake. Wow. I'm interested mm-hmm. in getting back together. And so they got what they wanted. So I call this not the failure moment. I call it the give it to God moment. 
you hand it over and you go, I'm done. I'm not going to put any more prayers into this. I'm not going to put any more attention into this. I've asked God, and now if God wants to grant it, God will grant it. If God doesn't want to grant it, I'm still grateful and I'm moving on. That puts you in a really, really healthy place. Yeah, I I agree on this um, in in large part. As uh, the old Baptist preachers say, God answers prayers, but sometimes the answer is no. And, um, you know, as Johnny Otis used to say, as a coda to that, and if it were not so, nobody's grandmother would ever have died. And that's the truth. If you say, I did a bunch of prayer work, nothing manifested, I'm letting it go, and then 20 years later, the person comes back, is that an answer to your spell work? No, probably not. I would say that uh, um, you would really want, at that point, to invoke astrology. Something was in alignment, it then went out of alignment, now it's back in alignment, the person's back. So never forget Timing has meanings. To set a deadline of your birthday or the 4th of July or the Memorial Day weekend or whatever it's going to be is a very good way to work. And again, I'm going to give some of the messages of my elders and teachers. Um, One woman who said, if a man doesn't come back in seven days, he's got another woman because every man wants to get his willy wet once a week. That was her words. I'm only quoting her. Um, And a man, in fact, that same man I mentioned earlier, said to me, Um, A woman changes every time the moon changes, by which he meant to say when she gets her period. He didn't want to use, you know, nasty language in front of me. So he said a woman changes every time the moon changes. And if you don't get a woman back, when the change of the moon happens or her change happens, you won't get her back. So he was saying if you can't get a woman to come back and have sex with you within one month, you're pretty well not going to get it. So these deadlines are also built into the type of magic. Now, yeah, she might come back in six months and go, yeah, I tried six other men and they weren't as good and now she's back. But that's not an answer to your spell. That is her moving through her changes and coming back to you because maybe you had something after all. So always remember to check the astrology of your relationship to other people because it's a much better timing indicator than, say, tarot cards. And I like to take that long look at life that astrology affords, and I know not everyone does, but you know, just ask an astrologer. You know, What do we have in common, and when would be a good time for us to be back in alignment, or will we ever be back in alignment during this lifetime? And there are answers to those questions. And, and use common sense. It's like don't don't get lost in this. This there's all sorts of complexities, but common sense is your best guide. If common sense dictates that that sign is something that you see every single day and it's not significant, then that's probably not a sign. If common sense dictates that there's movement and the door's open and you should take this step forward, you should take that step forward. If common sense says that your answer was granted maybe three weeks after your prayers were over and done, take that as a success. But if the person shows up seven years later. Common sense dictates that's not your magic working seven years down the ride. So common sense here is very important. When I say that, sometimes it happens afterwards. <laughs> Be sensible. 20 years down the line, your magic did not bring that person back. A month later, maybe. <laughs> All right. Well, there's our music. And Papa G has challenged me to say every man wants to get his willy wet once a week. <laughs> and I just did. <laughs> Thank you, Papa G. (laughs) All right. 
Now we're going to turn this on over to um, James, and we're going to get a client. Thank you so much, Doc Murphy, for the topic. It's great, and we hope we've helped some folks. Okay, take it away, James. Thank you, Ms. Cat. Support for this program is provided by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and located online at luckymojo.com, and by the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, AIR, a directory of ethical and authentic conjure practitioners located online at readersandrootworkers.org, and by Hoodoo Psychics, the first psychic one run entirely by Hoodoo practitioners. Receive a reading with a trusted root worker instantly. Call 1-888-4-HOODOO or visit hoodoopsychics.com, and by the Crystal Silence League, a free online prayer service of the Association of Independent Spiritualist Churches, located online at crystalsilenceleague.org. Now it's time to go to the phones and talk to our client today. Our client is Art, calling from North Carolina, and his area code is 814. Art, are you there? Hello? Hi. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you indicated you. that you had you indicated that you had no readings on this situation. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay. And he writes, I have two career paths currently unfolding, both equally rewarding on a personal and professional level, and both promising an enriching and pros- prosperous future. Either would take similar efforts to build to fruition, similar steps to take to grow them to their ultimate peak. In large part, however, they're mutually exclusive of each other. So a decision on which path to take is needed. Each is equally enticing, speaking strongly to parts of my personality. So I would like to know what can be seen along these diverging paths to help me determine the best route to take. Turning it over to you, Ms. Cap. All right. Gee, Art, do I know you? There's a possibility. <laughs> I think you might be. I might know who you are. Um, okay, so I'm going to ask a couple of questions. What is your sign of the zodiac? I am an Aquarius. Okay, so Aquarius is a pretty serious-minded sign and has certain um, positivities and negativities. And I'm going to ask you a question here to first of all align myself astrologically before I read for you. You mentioned that there are two types of career paths, and they are pretty much mutually exclusive. Is either one of them involved with um, technology or metaphysics? Well, uh, one is more metaphysical in the other. Yes, one is definitely metaphysical. One is metaphysical. And okay, because um, Aquarius is an aspirational sign. They are very interested in technology, but they're also very interested in um, understanding metaphysics. That makes it's a really good sign for that. So I'm just, you know, look. You might want to get your chart done. Look and see if you have anything in the. Tenth uh, house or at the midheaven, that would be a real eye opener. But I'm going to just read the cards, okay? So uh, the first card I have here is uh, to me an interesting card. It says that whichever you do, because this is this card is not speaking directly to choosing, okay? Whichever you do, it should be something that is generous. And the card is the star, which 
um, is associated with Aquarius because it's a woman who is a water bearer. There are stars in the sky. That kind of goes to what I just said about astrology. It's um, Venus in the Pleiades, which happens you know, at least once a year, sometimes more, depending on retrogrades of Venus. There's a bird singing. This is about... Um, setting forth language, teaching perhaps. The woman is watering little flowers, little herbs, and she's some of the water is just sort of dripping back into the pool where she's dipping the water from, and she's also pouring water into the pool. This is a, a really whichever, because you haven't exactly explained what these two careers are. This is a career of service. It's a career of helping others, of speaking, and it does literally say to me, hey, get your astrology done, because it has the star. And it also says uh, you'd want to look at where your other planets were that are associated with business to, to see what kind of signs they're in and what aspects they make. But it tells me that of the two careers, because you haven't been, you know, you could be, one of them could be ditch digging and the other could be <laughs> joining the Mongolian army, for all I know, right? Um but whichever is the one that's more of service to people, in that case, ditch digging, would be the one. Or it could be, um, you know, working as a volunteer at the ASPCA versus um, working in a call center for a, a faceless megacorp, right? Then working at the ASPCA would be the choice. So you need to know that this is indicating generosity, kindness, helping others, and also allowing blessings to flow through you, water and spirit, and also possibly being a teacher or speaker. And uh, number two card says no need to so drastically choose between them. This card is the seven of coins or pentacles, and it shows a man who's a gardener, and he's got two bushes, one of which has a lot of money, a lot of coins, it's real built up, and the other little bush has one coin. Never cut off the other one, whatever it is. Now I'm going to give you an example. Let's say you are a web designer who's who also wants to be a psychic reader. Why? You could do web designs for psychic readers and be a psychic reader and be a web designer or do web design for yourself. Let's take another example. Let's say you your real interest is making leather shoes. Making leather handcrafted leather shoes in the old Spanish way is what really rocks your boat and the other one is to install um, cabling in office buildings. Well, this says you should probably be, go with the one that makes the most money, what would be installing the cabling in the office buildings, but don't forget making those beautiful Spanish boots of Spanish leather. That's just something that you could also do. So um, you might want to think about dividing your time, uh, not equally, but dividing your time. It's a, certainly an option. And uh, the third card is another divided card. And this is the Nine of Pentacles. So here we have a lady who has two piles of money, one big and one little. The bigger pile of money has six coins and a snail in front of it. The little pile of coins is three coins, and she has a hawk. So what this says in that hand on that side, so this again talks about dividing your interests. The one that Promises more money may be very slow to develop, may not engage you as much as a snail. Eh, not so not so romantic. The one that promises less money may actually, in the end, earn you the greatest reward. But you haven't yet engaged in it full on. You're not looking at 
um, full-on because the hawk has a hood, um, and she can't quite see it. All right, I'm going to turn this over to Doc Murphy. Hi, Art. How are you? I am doing well. How are you? I am good. Um, I'm, I did, lit a, did a little, uh, what I call a five-card spread. Uh, it happens to be one that I like to call the two paths. When you said it was a choice between two careers, I was like, oh, clearly this is what we're going to do here. So if you can imagine um, <laughs> the, the spread that I have, it's like this one card, and then there's a line of two cards on the left and a line of two cards on the right. So it's like a fork in the road. Um, and one is going to be kind of outlining the direction that one choice will give you, and one is going to be outlining the choice that the other one will give you. The one at the bottom is where you are right now, and that's the king of cups. Dude, that's you, the water bearer. This is the king that is sitting holding a cup of water and kind of looking over um, all that he surveys um, in the realm of the emotional and in the realm of the spirit and the realm of relationships. This is, this is, this is kind of you're, – you're at this point here where you're like, yep, I know who I, who I am. I know what I would like to do. I know where I am, and I've got a decision that I have to make. And you're making this decision intuitively and emotionally rather than necessarily intellectually, and that's good because that's where you need to be right now. Along the left side, um, one choice that I'm seeing, the two cards that came up, the first one that came up on that path is the strength card reverse. When she comes up reverse, um, it usually means that there's some sort of hesitancy, there's some sort of, um, what's the word I want? I don't want to say lack of courage, that's not it, but there's something that's kind of pressing against um, your own belief in yourself and your own strength and, and um, possibly hindrances that are, that are making you kind of doubt um, uh, this particular one. And the card that comes after it on that path is the Eight of Wands, which is a bunch of wands kind of shooting through the air. That's a card about um, waiting for things to happen, about communication, about things happening on the air, about waiting for messages. It seems like one path is requiring that you are dependent on the decisions of other people and on the communication with other people in order to be successful. And there's a little bit of hesitancy there because it sounds like you're ready to kind of take the, take the jump to move to, to make a decision. But one path, one career choice is, is dependent on the decisions of other people and the communication with other people. And it's kind of pulling you down a little bit with regard to, to uh, um, um, your own, you know, strength, your own courage. The second path, the first card that comes up is the Nine of Wands reverse. And this is a guy carrying a big old hunk of, of wands all by himself, but it comes up reversed. And when it comes up reversed, this is a card that's about delegation. This is a card that says, I'm not taking all this on anymore. I know how to split my responsibilities. I know how to settle, how to set things right so that I can do what I need to do and not have to do everything myself. So you've made the decision in, on this path to say, you know, this is what I need to do, and this is how I need to delegate my responsibilities, and I know how to do it. This is what's kind of making me smile, because the card at the end of that particular path is the Nine of Cups. On how I was trained, that's the wish card. So make a wish right now. Um, and this is a guy who's sitting in front of Nine Cups, kind of fat and happy. He's got everything he needs. He's got good fortune. He's got more than enough, and he wants to share it with other people. This is a card not only of, of plenty and good success, but because it's the Cups, it's also about emotional satisfaction and having everything that you need. There is something with regard to whether or not the action is being taken by you to make a career happen or the action to, to make the decision is dependent on other people that you need to consider when making this decision. Because the one where you're more dependent on other people and their decisions is probably going to slow things down. But the one where you put your foot down and say, I'm going to do this, is going to result in really good fortune for you. And that's what I have for you. I hope that helps. 
Uh, actually, very much so. Thank you. All righty. All right. Let's let's uh, turn this over to um, Contraband, and he is going to do our spell. Yeah, uh, or if I can ask you just two quick questions. First, how old are you roughly? Uh, exactly 45. <laughs> You're exactly 45. Okay, and how long have you had uh, both of these careers? Or both, thinking about both of these? That's honestly a difficult question. It's, it's act on both tracks. And both mm-hmm. tracks actually involve helping others. So to go back to what Miss Cat said, I mean, it's it's really showing in these readings. Um, it's something I've done on both tracks for probably the last twenty five years. Mm-hmm. And when when did you start deciding that you need to choose one or the other? Like when when what was the time period that you're like, all right, I need to make a jump of some sort? Maybe maybe a year and a half ago, two years. Okay. The reason I ask this is I'm trying to find out what's going on in your life. That would, if you've been doing this thing sort of for 25 years, why these decisions are coming up? Because our life moves in rhythm. So you're 45. At 48, you'll be making what's known as your Jupiter return, which is a significant turn in your life, um, and that usually involves some type of change in career. So bear that in mind in terms of timing. And you said roughly two years is when you've been kind of going through this. Well, Saturn has been transiting that Aquarius, and you said you are an Aquarius, I believe. Um, so Saturn is moving through Aquarius. It takes quite a bit of time, uh, and it's been moving through it exactly two years. So 2020 is really when it started. Uh, it'll be moving out of it uh, and shortly at the end of this year. It's about actually going to go retrograde End of this week, next week, it'll be going retrograde. Mm-hmm. So Saturn is one of the things that's transiting your sun, dealing with matters of career, dealing with matters of choice, reputation, honors, etc. And Saturn can really bring those things into focus. So this is why we're seeing some of that over the past two years. And then leading up to that Jupiter return at 48. So just a little bit of timing to bear that in mind. I'm going to give you a working that will help to guide you. I think one of the messages you're getting here is that you don't have to make a clean jump, but a shift in focus might be useful here. So what I want you to do is take three candles, two white and one purple. Take the first white candle, write one of the careers on it, whether it's the name of the job, the position, the company name, whatever. Anoint it with blessing oil, set it to one side, left, right, doesn't really matter. Take the other candle, the other white candle, that is, write the other career, the other job, the other position, the other company, whatever it is, anointed with blessing oil, and set it about a foot apart from the other candle. So one foot apart, right next to each other, right? So there's a little space in between, a foot space between. In the middle of that, so in the middle of that foot, you are going to take the purple candle, inscribe it with your name and your birthday, and anoint it with crown of success, and set it right in the middle. In the back, I want you to get some type of incense holder, some type of heat-proof dish with a charcoal, light the charcoal, then you're going to sprinkle some clarity incense on there with a pinch of bay leaf as well. You're going to light all three of these candles, starting with the purple in the middle and then the other two candles. As they burn, I want you to recite Psalm 107, verse 43. Whoever is wise, let him heed these things and consider the great love of the Lord and repeat it 
seven times, whoever is wise, let him heed these things and consider the great love of the Lord. Repeat it seven times. Let everything burn down, all the candles burn down, the incense, etc., and then examine what's left. Which of the candle waxes ran towards the center? Which one reached out to the purple candle that represented you? That candle that reached and burned towards you is the one that will bring you the most benefit. Also examine the images that show up in the wax. Does one of the images have, you know, uh, you know signs of skulls and tears? Maybe that's not the one for you. The one that shows crowns and, and wings, that's the one that you want, a dollar sign. Also, which burned faster? Which burned clearer? Was it a clean burn? Was it lots of wax that was left over? All these things should be taken into account. You can do a total bird's eye view. Look down onto your altar, your table, and see where did the candle waxes run? Which one ran towards the middle, towards that purple? That will help you to decide where you start putting your attention. It is a sign, an active sign, of where you're going to to make that decision. You don't have to make a clean break. You can start to moderate between the two while shifting your focus. Again, I would time this to that Jupiter return to take the next couple years to really make this decision, but also to help you through this transition process, right? Once you make that move, and take the next couple of years to really build this transition, whether that means rebuilding your reputation, rebuilding your website, whatever it is. Take that time. Use the timing to your advantage. Once you've decided which one you really want or you've gotten a clear message from this particular working, what you're going to do is get yourself a flannel bag, light another purple candle anointed with that crown of success right in that center. You're going to take the ashes of the bay leaf and the clarity incense and put it into that flannel bag. Add a pinch of five-finger grass deer's tongue, a pinch of magnetic sand with a small lodestone grit, a small one, you don't want something big, so a small grit, a small John the Conqueror root, and a master root. Do this by the light of that purple candle, uh, best done on a Thursday by light of that candle. Pray your prayer into the bag, knot it three times, and feed it whiskey. This bag will be your ally and companion as you start to make your shift and will bring you success and mastery in all that you do. All the other wax and whatnot, you can dispose of that in your front yard. This is a positive working. You don't need to get rid of it anywhere far. Just toss it in the front yard and it's perfectly fine. That's what I recommend to you. Let's see if Dr. Murphy or Ms. Cat have anything further to add. Wow. Okay. Uh, I really like that. For signs of candle burning, and I uh, recommend two books. The first book that ever mentioned signs from candle burning is called The Guiding Light to Power and Success by Mikhail Strabo. And I elaborated on his book, which was a huge influence on me. And in my book, The Art of Hoodoo Candle Magic, there's a much more lengthy list of signs to be observed while the candle is burning, after it burns, and so forth. So there you go. That's my all I have to add. How about um, you, Doc? I, go ahead. I was going to say, oh, how about you, Doc? Honestly, I, I hear the bumper music. I wouldn't change too much. I would I would just um, put one job on one prayer paper, one job on another prayer paper, put them in each shoe, and, and uh, walk your decision. Uh, to little chip I don't oh, know. Okay. 
Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, now we're going to go to the most difficult part of our hour and a half, which we call an hour. And this is the moment when we have before us the strange music that I can never describe adequately. So I give up. The indescribable music is about to happen. The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ollie, Sundays, 3 to 4.30. The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays, 5 to 6. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix LeFay, Fridays, 1 to 2. And Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse, Fridays, 7 to 8. All time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. And okay. now it's time for our free. Oh, sorry, Miss Cat. I just said okay. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's time for our free spell segment from our special guest, Doc Murphy of RootDocMurphy.com from the Twin Cities of Minnesota and Paganistan. Take it away, Doc Murphy. Thank you so much, Reverend James. Okay, the freestyle that I have uh, for everyone this week is what I call a bath to assuage your grief and clear your vision when your magical resolution disappoints. You know, sometimes you have good movement and great movement and you're feeling really confident about your work and then either the resolution grinds to a halt or doesn't turn out the way you want to and then you kind of feel not only disappointed in the results but you feel like you're kind of a cruddy magician and you feel bad about yourself. This is a bath to kind of assuage those feelings and to kind of get you all cleared up to get you all started again. So the ingredients you will need include a calming incense of your choice. I personally like coconut incense for work like this, but use whatever incense uh, centers you and, and, and grounds you rather than uplifts you, something that, that brings you, brings you uh, rooted. You'll need a teapot and boiling water, uh, some rue, some rosemary, peony root, and sage, and you'll need a prayer paper with the verse uh, written on it from the Song of Songs 4-7. And the verse is, you are altogether beautiful, my darling. In you, there is no flaw. So you take these ingredients, and first you will draw a nice warm bath and put the tea water on to boil and burn your incense. You'll place the prayer paper in the bottom of the teapot along with the herbs. When the water has boiled, you'll pour the hot water in and steep the tea for about nine minutes. Then pour the tea into the bath water, step in, and soak. This is a soaking bath. Pour the water over your head. Give, uh, cry if you need to, emote if you need to. Let those failure, feelings of failure and disappointment just wash out of your mind. Just let it go. And then when it feels like it's time, you'll step out of the tub drain the water, and let yourself air dry. You'll put on a clean garment and spend the time sitting by your altar or your shrine or, or any other place of power where you can commune with your divinity. Offer gratitude and offer your presence, but don't ask for anything. Just be with them. Sit as long as you need and accept what, if any, next steps the divine has in store for you. Maybe you'll get signs in a, in a dream. Maybe you'll just need to sleep. 
maybe you'll have some time to just rest and to study, but um, take that time to just recenter and to listen to what comes next, but um, don't ask for more signs. Just, just, you know, clean out and start over again. So that's what I have. Wow. Well, that's a very beautiful, mm-hmm. very thoughtful spell. I really like that. I, I hope that one gets wide currency. I would like to add only one thing to it. There are going to be people listening to this show all around the world now and in years to come. They catch it in the archives, and they're going to have a question, and I know what the question is going to be. I don't have a bathtub. What should I do? So I just want to put in a little word for um, hoodoo being inclusive and not uh, reserved for the elite with running water, with indoor plumbing, with bathtubs. (laughs) If you have a shower, you could put the tea into a basin and then pour it over yourself. That would be fine. Mm -hmm. If you don't have uh, running water, uh, put it into a basin. Or if you don't have a bathroom but just have a kitchen sink and you can't get into it, put it into a basin and then just wash your face and hands. Some people will say wash your bosom as well. In other words, strip to your waist. But Sometimes we live in environments where we cannot strip to our waist. We just have to do what we do. So always remember when a bath is given, even if it says it's a soaking bath, you can adapt it if you need to. Hoodoo is not limited to those with indoor plumbing and bathtubs. That's my only comment. Yeah, and that's true. That's true. And it's, it's just what well, I think sometimes I write the spells thinking of myself in my bathtub. And I think, well, okay. And then you have to remember that folks sometimes just have the shower stall or, or uh, other situations. But the, the, the important thing is uh, not only the, the, the pouring of the water, but make sure that the water reaches your head. You know, uh, dribble it some on the top of your head, sprinkle on the top of your head, mm. drop it a, a little bit on the top of your head. Um, because it's it's sometimes it's your it's your thoughts and your own cloudiness that can that can uh, affect you if your magic doesn't come out the way that you want to. So as long as that's mm, you, you know, yeah, yeah. And I'm gonna again, I'm gonna say something about the top of your head. See, because this is again has to do with culture and custom. There are many people who like get their hair wet and it's up, no problem. There are other people who have an elaborate hairdo. Their hair gets mm-hmm. wet. It the texture um, is such that their hairdo is spoiled. If someone says to you, put that on top of your head and get your head wet, and you go, no, I just paid $200 to have my hair done, don't put it on top of your head, <laughs> right? So, again, mm-hmm. just do your, your from your, your head, face, hands, and maybe, you know, down to your bosom if you can. I'm just trying to tell people there are ways to do this. Also, you can do the bottoms of your feet, if you're barefooted, just stroke the tea on the bottoms of your feet. That's another good way to work. So um, I really I really love this, and I don't want to make any spell inaccessible to people based on their hairdo. <laughs> okay. Understood. Understood. Yeah. Absolutely. Sometimes yeah. I also find that, um, and this is just uh, from, from uh, my own training and, and uh, practices, um, dabbing some kind of at the bottom of the of the neckline, the hairline where the, where the hair ends, right right as your neck starts. I'm finding mm-hmm. that dabbing oftentimes right there, and in one of the traditions I was trained in, that's where the spirits step in. So you keep that little part of your neck right right below the hairline, 
um, hmm. uh, anointed and nice and clean. That's that's a, another place if if the top of your head's not an option, or the third eye yeah. is another good place too. That little place right in the middle of your forehead. Yeah. Now I'm going to say a little something also about the herbs because this was a brilliant selection of herbs. It's um, very very traditional. Rue, which gets rid of, of negativity. Rosemary, which is strengthening, protective mentally uplifting peony which is for health and long life and sustains you and sage which clears things away it's a great combination if you are allergic to any of these think of what i just said about their qualities go to hoodooataglance.com and look up another herb used for the same purpose that you can substitute to which you are not allergic just as an example perhaps lemongrass for sage just as an example all right it's a it's the combination is really good don't ever let your allergies stop you from taking a good bath oh no (laughs) okay now there's our music we're going to turn this over to james he's going to give us our announcements we'll come back if i have a minute or two and speak a little more and then we'll all say goodbye Thank you, Miss Cat and Conjure Man, and thank you, Doc Murphy of RootDocMurphy.com from the Twin Cities of Minnesota and Paganistan for being our special guest this week. We invite you to join us next week when our when we have our <coughs> sister girl of SisterGirlConjure.com in Los Angeles, California, on oracle cards and sacred geometry for the, or, the Hoodoo Oracle Hour. Once again, we've come to the end of another Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour brought to you by Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California. You can find Miss Cat via the Lucky Mojo forum at forum.luckymojo.com and Conjureman at conjuremanconsulting.com in Mission Viejo, California. I'm your announcer, Reverend James, joining you from boltconjure.com in North Carolina. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour can be heard every week live on Blog Talk Radio at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. And the shows are available in archive via luckymojo.com forward slash radio show dot html. From all of us at Lucky Mojo... I'd like to thank you for being here and invite you to tune in next week when, once again, <clears throat> at the same time, we will hear the familiar strains of the Memphis Jug Band playing the Jug Band Wall. Thank you, everybody. Goodbye. Thank you. This was lovely having you. And um, I guess it's time for me to say, go out and get your tickets for the Hoodoo Heritage Festival. Yes, we are still in the early stages of ticket selling. Around the middle of June... Um, the readers will become available. These are people from AIR and Hoodoo Psychics who will read for you between the uh, workshops. So just keep that in mind. You can get your tickets now and come back later and pick a reader and get a reading from any one of us who has time available during the festival. The readings will not overlap with the workshops, so you won't miss anything. Good night. Good night. Good night, all. Good night. Talk.